Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for tuning in to the Big Honker Podcast. Listen, up on YouTube right now is our series, The First Family of Waterfowl. We have released a couple episodes now, so go check it out. First Family of Waterfowl. You can just go to our YouTube channel, The Big Honker Podcast. All of our episodes are there, and be sure to subscribe, like, do all that good stuff, share it with friends. So far, everybody has seemed to enjoy the series, so we hope that you would go check it out. First Family of Waterfowl, it's been a lot of fun. Go check out all of our wonderful sponsors. If you are in the market for a brand new hunting dog, I highly suggest you check out our newest sponsor, Double T British Kennels. Uh, get on the waiting list, put your name down, and they can do it all, right, Jeff? Yes, great dog. They have started dogs, puppies, everything, any kind of training you want. Great guys, take care of you. Check out Double T British Kennels on the internet at BritLabs.com. They've got a hell of a looking male i mean he's a fucking looks like a tank yes he is big dog i'm gonna tell you what now we had a we had a british lab Rhea. my dad had 25 years ago was an english field champion one of the best dogs we've ever had my great discipline uh wasn't a really big dog was a smaller dog but just done a hell of a job great dog great bloodlines uh both english and scottish bloodlines i'm a scottish bloodline too so there you go there you go Double T British Kennels. We are also brought to you by Ducks Unlimited. Uh, you don't have to say nothing else. Ducks Unlimited. Everybody knows what they do. If it wasn't for Ducks Unlimited, we wouldn't have ducks to hunt now. If you are a waterfowl hunter, you need to be a member of Ducks Unlimited. They're, everything they contribute, 80% of all their resources they collect goes back into the ducks. And that's a hell of a lot of money to go back to the ducks. It is. They do great work. And if, like Jeff said, if it weren't for them, we wouldn't have ducks. So they are working on behalf of the duck numbers and the duck hunters. Ducks it, Unlimited. It will be uh, Ducks Unlimited banquet seasons coming along. Start September, they fire back up pretty heavy. I know the Illinois chapter right now has got a bourbon uh, lotto they're doing right now. You can check it up uh, online. Just search Illinois Ducks Unlimited bourbon, and they've got some kind of uh, deal they're doing right now. I don't have much more information. I know it sounds absolutely horrible, but that's true. There you go. We're also brought to you by Pacific Calls. They have got a brand new goose call hitting the market for Squad Fest, July 15th and 16th. Um, I should have a little teaser and a little bit more information on it later in a couple days, maybe later this week. Uh, I might have one on the way, Jeff. I can't I figure you I, I can neither do. confirm nor deny. But if you are at Squad Fest, July 15th and 16th, check them out. They've got the, it's the new BA call. Um, they're really, really excited about it. And uh, they've still got the best duck call on the market, the PCD. Single read, it's, it, it's phenomenal. It's all that I use whenever I duck hunt. And yeah, they've got duck calls, crane calls, goose calls. They got it all. Check them out, PacificCustomCalls.com. And uh, let them know the Big Honker Podcast boy sent you. We are also brought to you by Dive Bomb. Buy some decoys. It's, not too, it's actually perfect time. Start building that spread for this coming waterfowl season. That is at divebombindustries.com. We are also brought to you by Boss Shot Shells, maker of the most lethal shotgun load on the market, copper plate to bismuth. They're, they're trendsetters, Jeff. I was talking to somebody, and they said, if you want to see what the shotgun market is going to do in a year or two from now, just look at what Boss is doing this year because uh, everybody else seems to follow suit. Yeah, everybody's playing catch-up with them. It's like going back to this. It's like shooting lead in the 70s. From the first time I shot it, that's exactly what it's like. Boss, way ahead of the game. 
Great people, all-American-made product. Check them out at BossShotShells.com and get those shotgun shells delivered straight to your door. Start stocking up for this coming waterfowl season. We are brought to you by Shin Gear Waiters, and let me tell you what, you thought their waiters were great. Wait until you see all the new stuff that they've got coming out. They've got vests available for pre-order on July 14th. They've got the 60 series, which is basically an everyday series, and um, I'm forgetting the other one right now, but there are three products that are, oh, the over and under. That's what it is. You can wear it with your uh, waders. It's not super bulky, so you're not like the Michelin man out there. It's nice, slim fitting, uh, nice, slim fitting jacket. But that 60 series, I'm really looking forward to it. So they're taking pre-orders starting July 14th for all of their new products. And then they will start shipping out directly after that. But go to their website, shingear.com, and you can, uh, if you're wanting waders, you can get them to you. And then if you're wanting any of these new items, uh, check them out. A lot of cool stuff coming from them. And uh, also be on the lookout because I think they've got more stuff coming out later in August. So exciting times. That is at shingear.com. We are also brought to you by Gundog Outdoors, the great Mr. Alex Langbell up there in the great state of Montana. It looks like they're finally drying out. Um, he, he's got your four-legged hunting buddy taken care of. The quick release system, I think that every dog should be clipped into that as just an added safety precaution. And um, You can buy and see Alex at the uh, Alex will Squad be, Fest. Alex will definitely be at Squad Fest and um, the field trump kit. You never know when you never know when you're going to need it. Accidents happen every single day, even if it's just a deep cut on your hand. Uh, Alex has stuff in the field trauma kit that stop a bleeding, keep you warm. I mean, he he's put a, he was a first responder for his entire career, so this is this was designed with uh, kind of every different scenario in mind. He's also got stainless steel dog bowls and uh, check cords that he makes himself right there in Montana. So. Uh, go, go by and see Alex. Just a cool dude to visit with. Yeah, just talk to him. Just visit guy. with him. He's a he's a super cool guy. Uh, he's he's very very influential influential in uh, the waterfowl world. Done a lot of cool things. So go say hello to him. We are also brought to you by the Looking Glass Duck Club podcast. Mr. Rebel Heron and Logan Pyatt put on a hell of a show. You can donate to their Patreon account, and you will have their entire library at your disposal. Um, great guys. They've become incredible friends throughout our couple years of knowing them and they're a lot of fun to listen to um the bourbon review it goes up on uh, it goes up on itunes so you don't have to have a uh, membership to that everybody can hear that but to go hear the more juicy stuff donate to their patreon and you get their full library so go check them out there we are also brought to you by alpha outdoor specialties maker of the stanfield stool no more buckets for me my hemorrhoids will be thanking me come January. It is, uh, they're going to go in our A-frames, custom fit, and they can build anything that you want. They're a fabricator. They're, they're a fabrication shop. And if you've got some, if you've got an idea of a chair or anything that you want built, get a hold of them, Alpha Outdoor Specialties, and they can take care of you. But uh, the Stanfield Stool, looking forward to it. We're also brought to you by Lucky Duck, maker of the 2x4 blind, which is... Best blind on the market right now. And best spinners that are out there, waterproof, they take a dive unexpectedly, just shake them off, dry them out, and they're back up and spinning again. Uh, remotes all pair up nice and nicely and click them on and off. Click them on when the ducks are coming. Click them off if you got geese coming. Uh, makes it nice and easy. Dog kennels out of this Dog world. Dog kennel, five-star crash test rated. That's They got 
they beefed up their sizes. They uh, they they have kennels now that fit that fat ass dog of mine, Lou. And um, I don't even think twice whenever I throw them in there. Five star crash test rated. It's the way to go. That is that lucky duck. I really really like their kennels. We're also brought to you by Bangtail Whiskey, Mr. Brandon Bing. Mr. Brandon Bing. How's it going on over there? He's weathered the glass shortage, and he is shipping whiskey. It is a beautiful whiskey. I make my whiskey sour out of it. Whenever I get time, I had a couple over the 4th of July holiday, and they are fantastic. Go to bangtailwhiskey.com. Make sure you're 21 years or older, and um, you can get it. you can get it coming right to you. Also, he's got some new music out on iTunes, so check him out. Brandon Bing, great guy. Uh, we're also brought to you last, but no, not last, but not least. Uh, we're also brought to you by Dirty Duck Coffee. If your coffee sucks, it is not the duck. We start our morning every single day here the exact same way, and that is with a nice steamy hot cup of the Missouri Vo- Boat Ride Blend. And, um, you know, I put a little bit of high velocity in there. Mornings, I need a little pick-me-up, but they make a great coffee and a, and portion of all of their proceeds go into great organizations like Delta, Ducks Unlimited, all that good stuff. So they, they will be at Squad Fest also? They'll be at Squad Fest. You can get your coffee for the year right there. Go up, say hello. I don't know if the General Lee will be there. They'll get Scotty Goggle's uh, autograph because yeah. he will be there. Yep. Um, but Dirty Duck Coffee, it's how we start every single day. It's great tasting coffee, and uh, you will not be disappointed. So go up, check them out at Squad Fest, and get your coffee for the year. Last but not least, Stanfield Hunting Outfitters. It is not too late. If you are wanting to get on the calendar for this coming waterfowl season, give us a holler, 940-658-3172. Talk to Jeff. Tell him what you're looking for. And You want to shoot a trophy spec? I can work in a small couple of guys on November. I don't care how small you are, just a couple smaller groups. November 7th through 9th and November 14th through 16th. I got room for a couple of twos and threes if you want to add on to groups. If you want to shoot trophy spec, those are primo, primo dates. We will also be doing filming at that time, I'm sure. Anyways, give us a holler at 940-658-3172 or look us up on the web at www.stanfieldhunting.com. We appreciate everybody that's tuning in. That is all of our sponsors. Please go check them out because they do play a very important role in the making of this podcast. And it would be nice if you would go check them out, whatever you're needing. I feel like we've got a great list of sponsors here. So... Pick your poison. Go check them out. God bless you. Have a great week. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, this episode of the podcast, we are joined by Jordan Nisley. He is a varmint hunter up there in the great state of Kansas. And uh, the way that they do it, they go on uh, they go on coyote drives. So a little bit different than uh, what you would traditionally see. He's got a YouTube channel that documents all these things, Jordan's Harvest on YouTube. And he's also a butcher there in Kansas. So uh, interesting fella. He's got a lot of irons in the fire, but uh, hey, that's what you got to do. So, hope you enjoy it. Here he is, Jordan Isley. Here we go. Three, 
two, one. Boom, and welcome to the Big Honker Podcast, brought to you by Dirty Duck Coffee. If your coffee sucks, it's not the duck. I am the talent, Jeff Stanfield, with the world-famous Andy Shaver. Yes, sir, that's me, and I forgot to plug my laptop in. So what are we doing here now? Plugging it in? Yeah, go ahead. We are live from Ron Stanfield Studio A in Knox City, Texas, at the world-famous Big Honker Lodge. I'd like to say happy birthday to my bride. She is 53 years old today. Did you, say, did you tell your mom happy birthday today? I have not. We're having a party tonight. I'll do it then. So you forgot about it. Yeah, forget about it. Yeah, you did. Or you'd have called her first thing this morning. Your brother, who don't ever remember shit, called first thing this morning. So I was proud of him for that. Well, there you go. With us today from Hutchinson, Kansas. He used to be an Amish, but now he's not. Mr. Jordan Nisley. Did I say that last name right? 100%. Hot damn Nailed it. Got it right today. I didn't fuck up the intro. We are on fire today. So, you still have the Amish beard, though, Jordan. Oh, somewhat. I, I got the upper lip covered now, so, you know, you can tell me tell me different than everybody else. So, so that's the Amish it, thing? You, 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 you shave the upper lip, but you let everything else grow? That, that seems to be the, the general thing around here anyway. If pretty much all the Amish men and I had all that stuff, upper lip's pretty shaved, but kind of depends on which church you're in and stuff, too. Okay, I want you to explain that to me. I don't understand. I don't understand the Amish way of stuff. I was watching a show the other day. My favorite show, which is Ariel America, and they show really neat things. And they showed Amish people. They get under, a, they get behind a mule to pull a plow that's got an automatic hay baler on it. How <laughs> how, how does that fit into the? And shaving the upper lip is a razor. So why do they shave the upper lip and then not the rest of the beard? I I wish I had good answers for you. My my parents, uh, well, let's see, they would have been beachy Amish, which is. I guess the best way to explain it, there's a lot of different parts of Amish. There's the old order Amish, new order Amish, and then beachy Amish, Amish man. There's a whole bunch of different things. So it'd be kind of like trying to explain to someone what the difference between a honker, a, a you know, giant Canada, a lesser, a cackler, an Aleutian. You know, they're all the same thing, just slight differences. And unless you're really into it, it's kind of hard to tell the difference. But I, there's a lot of things that I just think are downright dumb. I don't get it. Where around here. The majority of the Amish uh, all drive tractors uh, six days a week, but on Sunday it's horse and buggy only. So it it doesn't make sense to me. I don't get it. Yeah, well, unfortunately, I, th- I think it's that way with any religion. I think you know you kind of got to pick and choose what you want to accept. Like, in, in the Methodist Church, once a month we engage in cannibalism. So <laughs> you might want to go ahead and uh, explain that a little bit more. Uh, you're eating the flesh of the sun and you're drinking his blood. That's cannibalism. What would you call it? Well, what flesh of the sun are you eating? It's in, it's represented by bread and wine. I think you're pushing cannibalism a little bit more from true kink. Like the Rockefeller sun that went up the Congo. He met real cannibals. It's abstracted now. Yes, you abstract it out, but. I mean, that's you're you're. They tell you when they put the bread in your mouth. This is the yes flesh of the sun. What am I supposed to take from that, Jeff? Well, I don't think it's the flesh of the sun. I think they're going a little, you're, well, little, little out there. Okay. Yeah. What, kind of, what way, kind of cult are you raising my grandkids in here now? The, <laughs> the Christian church. <laughs> so, so as an Am, see, I don't know much about the Amish. So apparently, you, you don't, much, don't know much about Christianity. I'm either. not a very good Christian. I've said that many times. I believe in God. I know I've been saved. I know I'm going to heaven. Unless they catch me at the wrong moment because I sin every day. But I 
Well, I just that's one of my biggest fears is I get I die sinning. And without communion. <laughs> Communion's important. Is it? Well, yeah, you gotta eat you gotta come you gotta engage in cannibalism. Okay. So, washed in the blood, Jeff. So your parents were Amish and they left the church, right? Uh I mean they were beachy Amish, which is a little bit different than most of the Amish around here. Uh they in the church that they left, they can still drive cars and all that stuff. Um have electricity, but it's I would say it's not Amish Amish, like what most people think. My wife was Amish till she was twelve. They they grew up actually in the church at that point and, you know, left and went through the little bit of shunning until they joined joined another church and all that fun stuff. So Are they the, back to normal the, now? Oh yeah. I mean, shoot, every every month we get together, we have what we call family night and uh everyone in, in that side of the family all gets together. We all have a big, you know, basically big potluck and Hang out, talk, see what's going on. With keep family with, rolling. with her Amish family, correct. I think that's very important. I think that's really cool. So, do you like you know rub it in that you got a cell phone and they don't? <laughs> There's enough of the youth in there that have cell phones that uh, that the older people in the church that don't have them they they don't like cell phones until they need to look up something and then they're they're all about having the the young kids around there with their cell phones. But now you know. They can't have a cell phone unless it's for work. So if you have a, a business or something like that, then you know you have a business phone that you're allowed to have. Or if you work for a company that lets you have a business phone, then there's Amish really good about loopholes. Really, really good about loopholes. <laughs> They're like politicians. A, a brother of mine, uh, my brother-in-law actually, he has a whole shed full of tools that are his in quotation marks, but they just keep showing up and leaving without him knowing most of the time. So there's a... There's an Amish guy who basically uses it as storage. He'll drop off a new tool and be like, hey, you've got a brand new drill bit. And they're like, all right, cool. <laughs> it goes with that over there. So the, it it's weird. Just recently, one of the Amish churches in, a, in our area, they now allow skid steers. They didn't allow the skid loader before. And one guy had a uh, business clearing pastures, you know, with a skid loader and all that stuff. And they told him he needed to get rid of it because they weren't allowed to have that. So he... Sold the skid loader, but he kept all the attachments because he had a feeling that they were going to allow those within the next year or two. And he called it right, so now he's got a skid steer bought bought back, and he, you can have them now. So, so I don't get it. But the the it Amish it church as a whole allowed the skid steer uh, in our area. Oh, I mean, it it depends. There's some places, you know, your horse and buggy plowing with horses, you know, steel wheels, no air in the tires. Other places uh, down. Close to where I live here in Yoder, uh, Kansas, they, uh, oh, hold on, lost my train of thought there for a second. They are allowed to have tractors only up to a certain amount of horsepower mm -hmm. and then no cab. But you can have like windows all the way up the side. And as long as there's a gap between the, you know, roof of it and the windows, you're good. That's not a cab, it's an umbrella. Um, but, you know, further up here, you can have cab tractors and all that stuff, but you can't have cars. It, it, I don't understand, but I so, don't have to understand. Do so. they group bank? Uh, most of them around here don't. No, most of them are actually set up with uh, with banks in town. So I'm how sure does that, it? I mean, do they do a group insurance? How does it work? Each each so each region has its own kind of unique rules that they follow. It it was a lot more like that. Now they've kind of all grouped up a little bit more, and there's not quite as many differences. Uh -huh. um, well, you were just would, talking about the cab and, and, and that. and Right. 
Um, that would be kind of like the difference between the beachy Amish up here. Mm-hmm. Um, most of them, there's a couple different churches, but you know, one you can have cars. The other one, they just do tractors. And then you know, on the other side of the tracks, uh, on the Amish Amish side, they tractors with no cabs. Period. So it's has the it's has the Amish. I mean, so I guess the did the Amish and the Mennonite split? Is how is that how we got to to those two? Honestly, I'm not sure how that works out. Because the Methodist church is getting ready to split right now. And it's all over It's over gay marriage is what it is. And uh, um, allowing homosexuals to be uh, preachers and, mm. and have um, be able to give communion in the Methodist church. So the Methodist church is actually getting ready to split. And I, okay. I didn't know if everybody... If, if, all Mennonites were Amish at one time, and then they had a differing of opinion 100 or 200 years ago or whenever, and then you got the two separate entities or not. That I, I really should know the answer to that, but I, I, I don't have a good one for you, unfortunately. I mean, technically, I go to a Mennonite church. Mm-hmm. Um, most people don't know what the difference between that. I mean, I guess it's kind of the difference. My church, my Mennonite church, would be about the same... I mean, is how do I explain this? It would be similar to comparing, you know, a Methodist church to a Baptist church to a Catholic church. Like overall, they're pretty right. similar, but right. they all have their own little little things that are different. And unfortunately, I'm I'm just not real uh, learned on on the history of it all. So I'm I really don't have much for you there. So sorry about that. It says here Amish is a subgroup of the Mennonites. So it acts like this. You had all, it was all Mennonites at one time. And right. then you had Amish. I Amish, how the Hooterites play into this. I'm sure it's all under oh. the same thing. Amish were very <laughs> resistant to technology, whereas Mennonites are moderate in this regard. Now, the Hooterites are a little wilder. They drink and stuff, don't they? Uh, I don't know many Hooterites. Um, I do know the wildest parties in our area are Amish, but. The Amish kids where you're at a party a lot. Oh, every Saturday and Sunday. Rump Springers or just Oh, big time. I've got enough uh cousins and stuff in there. I I still get an invite every once in a while, but uh, I'm I'm too old to play with that crowd. But they still party it up and stuff. Oh, yeah. The the first time There's... I was ever around any Amish at all to speak of other than seeing a horse and buggy going down the road or something is I went to Harrisburg to the hunting show. Shit, mm-hmm. mid nineties probably, and there was a lot of Amish people there that come out of Lancaster and stuff. And they would come in, and it's funny they would get in. They would come in a school bus, and there'd be a regular guy driving a school bus, and he'd have fifty Amish dudes on there, and they'd all get mm-hmm. off. And they, I guess, he was like a taxi service for him taking the big city. But boy, they were big hunters. And they come in, they were bow hunters. But then you'd see a girl oh, yeah. dressed like a regular teenage girl. With some with some Amish boys, and then you would see the Amish chick with some kid that was a city kid and a Def Leppard t shirt, and it was just really a crazy deal how that all went down. It that it's a lot. There's a lot of kids on Saturday Sunday. You wouldn't be able to tell the difference, you know, where they would come from. It the whole thing changes on Saturday. So, do you think the Amish religion survives another hundred years in America? Uh. Man, I hope none of my family was listening to this. But uh, it, depending on how you look at it, Amish is a lot. It's very culty to me. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a lot of things I don't understand that don't make sense. Um, if I went and asked some questions, it 
might make more sense. But like like anything, I think it's going to take quite a while to actually stamp that all out. But I I think it'll probably hold on. There's I mean new settlements popping up here and there all the time. So I I think it'll probably probably still be around most likely. I don't know that Christianity is going to survive another hundred years very much. I don't think it, I think technology is especially. I mean, if you just look at the statistics of Christianity, I think. 30% of people my age go to church regularly. You know, it was probably 80% what 40 years ago probably. So I mean if you just do the, if you just if it was if that's what it was if it for simple math let's say it was 80 or, or 75% and then now it's 30%. I mean you've lost half of your crowd over half of your crowd so if that does it again you're going to be down to 10% of kids Reese's age, my son's age uh going to church when they're in their 30s. So and the Muslim faith is, and I shouldn't, I guess I shouldn't say faith, but whatever they are, the Muslim, religion. the Muslim religion is exploding. Yep. We will probably be taken over by Islam before too long. Yeah. If the trends, if the, if the trends continue. This isn't something I've ever really thought about and really asked myself that question before, but I'm kind of curious how, you know, throughout the next hundred years, how the economic situation will affect that too. Because right now when, you know, stuff is real easy, you don't really have to believe or trust in anything. I mean, shoot, atheism is, atheism is a real new thing when you come down to the general scheme of things. Like it's not been around that long. Um, once times get a little bit harder, like, you know, we're trending and stuff, will people, you know, go back to faith and, you know, believing in stuff like that where they need to believe in something. They got to have something to hold on to. I don't know if that'll play into it all or not. That's think, an excellent point because yep. I don't think that the I bet the Christian church was strongest after there, World War II. Yes, hard times. People are scared. I, you go to a tornado cellar right now, and a tornado's coming down on you, and there's 20 people in there, and let's say three <laughs> of them go to church. There's 20 people praying. Everybody's praying right there when they walk in the door. So hardcore prayer community God, there. <laughs> God is there still. There and, are no atheists oh, and yeah. foxholes. No, none at all. When when times are bad, everybody knows the Lord's name. And, 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 and so, everybody's calling on him. Yes, when things you know, when things are in Shangri La, everybody's sinning and not worried about repenting. But when you get when when things are bad, there's a lot of praying going on. I was in a closet one time in a tornado, and there was four of us, and God's name was being used a whole lot there. And I was a little kid, and I still never forget that. And we didn't go to church all the time. I'm gonna be beating down the doors on Sunday yeah. if you just pull me through yes. this one, Lord. Yes, I'll be. I'll unlock the door. I'll make the coffee. I'll help the old ladies up the ramp. I'll tell you how strong Christianity is. I know a guy that smokes marijuana at 60 years old, and he told God he would never, ever, ever, ever do it again if he let him survive through the night. <laughs> and I'll bet you he still has not smoked pot again. But it, Christianity right. is exploding in China, I believe, and yeah. Africa. So, once again, who, who knows then? Africa makes sense. But in America, I think it's on its way out. And that's a sad thing, but it, that, I, I agree with you on both of that. But the Amish people, so so you, you your wife was an Amish and her family, so they don't shun you like when you used to watch the, what was that show with the Amish, the Amish Mafia or whatever it was? Amish um, Mafia, Breaking Amish, all yeah. those. Yeah, yeah, all that and stuff. They, they all look, those poser shows. <laughs> yes. So they really don't shun you completely when you leave the church. You still do have some relationships with your family? Around here, they don't. Um Typically, the way I mean, this is me sort of listening to conversation stuff. I haven't gone through this, obviously. So, um, just from overhearing conversations, it's around here. It's a lot more of a you're more or less shunned and cut off until you join another church. So once they left that one and they joined a more 
contemporary church up here, um, you know, 20 or so miles away, once they joined a church there, then it was okay again. And, you know, it wasn't like they abandoned all, everything and had left it once they got back in. So I, I think there were a few people that were still real on the fence about stuff and maybe not, you know, might have damaged quite a few relationships there. But uh, for the most part, I mean, everything from from what I would know is pretty much back to normal. And if you watch the show Banshee that's on HBO Max, or, yeah, I think it is, it's show a couple years ago. If the okay. Amish chick looks like the chick on there that's the Amish girl, she's going to be really good for recruiting to the church because she is a hottie. Dead. Have you seen no that? comment. Have you seen that show? <laughs> Have you seen I have it? not. Oh, well, don't watch it with your wife. But she is a good-looking son of a gun. <laughs> okay, you, you've got a video on YouTube, and you go on a coyote hunting drive. Now, yes, I've never sir. even heard of this before. I've heard of deer drives. How many people does it take to flush these coyotes out, and what keeps them from going in the dens? Uh, it depends. I went on three or four of them this year. They're throughout the state and stuff. Uh, the biggest one, I think we had... 250 guys something like that um the smaller one i think we had about 100 120 so that's a lot of people it, it's a lot of people it it takes a lot to set up i'm glad i don't have to be involved with all that uh but they go out and get all permission stuff like that and uh it's nothing bigger than four shot not four buck you got to use four shots shotguns only um, normally they use four to six uh, trucks and trailers, load everybody up on stock trailers, and they have the maps of where we're going at each time. We go spread out and then wait for the signal to go, and then everyone starts walking towards the middle. We'll take, oh, at the smaller drives, we'll take one and a half sections. On the big, big drives, we'll take uh, 12 square sections. So it it's a riot, though. How many acres is that? Uh. I can't tell off the top of the head. I know one of, them, of the one of the more medium-sized ones. I was talking to a guy, and we had I think we covered a little over thirty thousand acres that day. Whew. But, what, what's the I mean? What's the ter- is it all like wooded or how is what's the terrain like? Uh, around where the the hunt close to where I'm at is a lot of grassland. You'll have a few bottoms here and there. Where I'm at, it's mostly crop. You got a few tree rows. And then, you know, your CRP and stuff like that. Uh, some of the other hunts, it's a little bit more treed and a lot more creeks and stuff like that that you got to go through. And so it just kind of depends on the area they're going. But a lot of CRP is typically the, the favorite, but there's always a lot of a lot of trees to deal with in the other big hunts. And then they're just bedded down and then you just kind of flush them out? More or less, yeah. Um, you know, they're either out hunting early in the morning doing stuff or, you know, set up in a tree row somewhere relaxing and chilling and you just try and push everything to the center and hopefully hopefully they don't get out so when you push these coyotes how many are running at one time like is it is it a dozen or is it mainly just like are you shooting like ones and twos uh typically at a time you'll see one right or two going in a line or something like that because i mean when you're when you're surrounding 12 square miles of property uh, you can hear shots across the section, but you know, it can be pretty spotty. The closer you get to the center, it really starts to sound like a war zone sometimes. Cause we've had plenty of sections where we get to the middle and no one shot a single thing. And then we've had ones where we pulled off, like, I think, was it 30 off of nine square miles or something like that? And so 
there, there's been time where six of them came out came out at one time out of a tree row. You just never really know. So you surround it, and then you yep. converge on it. it it's kind of like throwing a cast net. Okay, okay. Around the whole thing, and then the signal goes, and everyone pulls to the middle, and you know everyone gets tighter and tighter and tighter, and it gets harder for them to run out. But typically in the beginning, you know they're running away from you, so they'll run three miles across the section, run into another line, then bomb back the other way, and by the time they decide to, to get out, it's normally too late for him to get away. But I mean, coyotes, coyotes and cockroaches will be the thing that's left after a nuke drops. So there's some pretty smart dogs out there. I'm thinking of you guys shooting each other. Cause yeah, that's, how that's close kinda, do you get? That's what I'm thinking. Uh, so when you get to the middle, typically once you're within, Oh, 80 to a hundred yards, you're not allowed to shoot in the middle anymore. Um, you have to let the coyote run out in between you and shoot him on his way out. Oh, uh, I, in the time I've been there, I know, let's see, I've been on those hunts for three, four years. It's been longer than that, eight, ten years on and off. And I know of one or two guys that, like, caught a pellet, you know, real mildly. Like, they felt it hit them, but nothing crazy. So, it's, it is it is sketchy, but at the same time, there, there are rules. If you get caught with a ammo that is too big, you're, you're done for the day. If you're walking out in front of everybody, you know, you'll get a warning. If you keep doing it, you're done for the day. There's, they, they keep, keep it pretty tight. You, you don't want anyone getting hurt because it only takes one accident to make the whole thing go away. And it's, it's good for the farmers and most everyone that goes along has a good time. So what's, what's the most unusual thing y'all flushed up? Ooh, I'm not sure. There's, there's a guy one time that swore that he saw a mountain lion, but I'd, I think you saw a bobcat. Uh, well, how'd it get out of the circle? They're crafty, I, Jeff. Animals are crazy. There's one time a guy, he was walking through a, through, you know, cut Milo. So he got Milo stubble and he happened to look over to his side and about 20, 30 yards away, there was a coyote belly down trying to crawl out of the ring. I mean, <laughs> it's crazy how smart these things are. If, if they don't want to be seen, they'll figure it out if they're smart enough. Well, so. fucking Clay, he lost, uh, he lost, he lost last night's coyote. And blood and everything. He saw where it went. The the sun. He said it lost it in the sunflowers. And he cannot find it. I guess it's too hot for the buzzards to eat it. I guess that's how he found one coyote. Buzzards were eating on it, so it kind of ah. helped him out. But I guess it's too hot right now, so the buzzards aren't even eating this coyote. And, I mean, he says, I know it's laying here. All, all the blood I've seen back there. He said, I, I haven't shot a lot of coyotes in my life. But he said, I guess their legs go up whenever you shoot them according to what he said. So they, he said he textbook looking at it through the scope would have swore it was dead the way that it was reacting and got up, ran to the sunflower, uh, just a little patch where they haven't plowed it and can't find it. And he knows that it's just probably laying out there somewhere. We'll have a uh, coyote. Sometimes you'll shoot them because you start shooting at them early because you don't want them to get out of the ring, um, especially early on. And you start shooting at them to turn them is what they say. That way, you know, right. they start turning around, hauling, hauling butt back the other way until we get close enough. And there'll be ones, they'll take a lot of damage and they'll go hide in a, a big trash pile or something like that, you know, a big log jam or whatever. And they, they'll stay there until they don't come out. And some of them, they die in there, I know. So it, it, they're good about making sure that they try and pre preserve themselves the best they can. So tell me this, by the end of it, are they pretty worn out? 
or the, or do they still have enough uh, stamina to run past you if they need to, or are they pretty oh. worn out from the ping pong or from the pinball? It's unless they've taken a lot of damage, they they still got that sixth gear ready. Okay. Um, you'll you'll see a coyote coming towards you, and all of a sudden he gets about eight inches high off the ground and just is a streak. But uh, with, with the amount of people, it's gotten actually a little bit too popular. Mm-hmm. Um, they're recently they've been kind of backing off and letting people know when they are and like only letting people know maybe a week ahead of time because it used to be the big hunt used to only have 150 guns on it and now you know there was almost twice that many showing up and it shoot the one hunt i think it was the one that we hunted 30,000 acres we had people from 16 different states and it it was it was a mess i think the furthest guy was actually a landowner he didn't hunt he was from alaska um, but you'll have all over the place coming into these things, you know, busloads of Amish coming from Missouri and Pennsylvania and Illinois and all, all over the place. So they just advertise it ahead of, ahead of this, this, this drive and people come from everywhere or how do they, it's, how do they get the people? It, most of the time it's a, uh, you happen to know someone who's still there. So I've got, uh, cousins who they used to live here and they moved to Indiana and so, you know, they want to come back for the coyote hunt because that's a good time. And so they'll, you know, have one of their buddies down here, make sure they call and let them know when it is. Well, you know, you don't want to drive by yourself necessarily. So you get a busload of people together, you know, 15 passenger van full. And so after people start talking, all of a sudden you've got three van loads coming from Indiana. Um, it, it's, you know, someone who knows someone who knows someone is typically the, the way it gets around. That would be so interesting. I think it would be really cool if they had a drone from up above to watch all this. I've wanted to do that so bad. I got to check on the legality of it. You can do about anything here with coyotes, but Kansas is one of those places where if it does not say that you can, you cannot. So it's, I got to, I got to make some phone calls to see if I can do that. But I think that'd be a, some interesting footage there. Yeah, that, that is just, that, that this is such a fascinating, because I've heard of so many things, I I've never heard of this before, but so I guess the deer, y'all just let run through, y'all. Yep. Uh, when deer are coming through, you're supposed to crouch down and let them out. Uh, same way with cattle. If you're in a pasture that has cattle, last thing we want to do is be chasing cows all day instead of coyote hunting, fixing fence and stuff like that. So if you see cattle in a pasture, you're supposed to split the ring as big as you can, let the cattle out. Um, sometimes you have that one ornery one that decides to jump the fence like it did last year, and so that took a good hour and a half out of a hunt. Um, but... You know, it's it's hard to get permission the next year if you don't treat the farmers right. So, you know, if there's fence down, we're stopping. We're putting up fence. That, that you know, that's the way it should be. But that is oh, 100%. so. So the deer come through. That this this is just this is baffling. First of all, it's hard to find very many places where you can get two hundred men together and everything works organized. That, mm-hmm. That's that's not going to happen. Is this is this mostly an Amish thing? Yeah, I would say well over ninety percent. Well, if you count all the the room springer kids and stuff like that, I would say it's at least seventy five to ninety percent. Um, but there are some that you know are ex Amish that have left the church and gone to other things, but they still have family that let them know when it is and all that stuff. But if there's very few people that are not connected to the Amish that are there, that is so cool. I mean, I just such an interest. I watched your video. You're not a very good shot, by the way, on that video. Just letting you know that. Uh, Dude, as soon as I picked up a camera, I cannot hit the broadside of a barn on those coyotes. The the year before, I smacked three in one round, and it was great. Pick up a camera, put it on there, shoot. 
<laughs> nobody yeah they don't come to me for anything i had guys five guys deep on one side of me all dragging coyotes and i didn't get a shot but yeah do it is what it is well i mean i do y'all bet on anything do y'all like gamble or anything like most coyotes Dude, these are or, amish as well i, I understand <laughs> that and that when, I, that when I was about stuff. to ask that i was like well maybe not but you know you never know so they will do a raffle at some of them uh, they'll, you know, give away, I think last time they gave away, uh, a shotgun. No, they had three or four guns there and they'll sell raffle tickets, um, to either help pay for the stuff or they'll use it to help fund, uh, as a fundraiser for the community for like the school or something like that. So some of them will do that. Most of the time it's, you know, five bucks a gun for help pay for gas and all that stuff and go out and have a good time. Right. Yeah. That was a stupid question, but I was like, well, fuck it. You never oh, know. Believe me, there's, there's, I'm sure there's plenty of side bet action. Uh, if you ask the right people, right. Closest to clo biggest coyote or most coyotes or, you know, stuff like that. More shots, more shots. So that, how many shots do you take? How many, how many rounds of ammunition do you bring with you for these things? I take two boxes, two boxes. Uh, most of the time you don't shoot them. What they say when you get there in the morning, they'll do the safety talk. Uh, a lot of times they have game wardens there um, to check everyone's licenses before we get rolling. That way, the wardens don't have to come hunt us down and find us, figure out where we're at and, you know, all this stuff. But uh, they'll do a safety thing in the morning. They'll also tell you a lot of times that 95% of the people will see a coyote. About 50% of the people will get a shot at a coyote. About 20% of the people will actually kill a coyote. So there's there's been guys I've seen, they'll kill three to five in you know a day and i shoot i had a couple you know, a couple hunts this last year where i didn't get a single shot so it's i mean you got to hopefully be where the coyote wants to run out but you know it's a wild animal <laughs> yeah how many steps do you do you have you tracked how many your steps during these hunts oh no but not enough judging by the way uh my clothes fit now so <laughs> oh I need to go on a few more of those hunt but it's I think the I think the last time I checked it was eight miles that I had walked. Oh, it was more than that. Yeah, we'll say eight miles. I know I know that's a safe guess. So it's it's a lot of lot of walking. But you can take a long side, short side, because if you're uh, in the middle of the roundup, get off in the middle while their trailer's dropping off. You just have to walk straight in. It's not as far. If you're in a corner, you know you got to make up some extra ground to catch up with the ring so it closes right. What time of year do these take place? Springtime or fall? Uh, most of them are January. So winter. Yep. Ooh. A lot of times, normally after deer season, um, I mean, winter here isn't really that big a deal most of the time. Uh, hopefully it's dry when it when it goes through because walking through a, a plowed field in eight inches of mud because you have to keep the ring shuts, not much fun. Um, but normally, normally early January, well, all of January, depending on what, because normally they'll spread them out throughout different weeks that way you know everyone can go to different ones but i'm guessing they'll probably plan them on the same week that way they split people up more too you'd never know so how how soon how far out in advance are they planning these things like do you know when this one's going to be the, the next no one? i have no idea when this next one's going to be they'll probably start getting permission for it a month or so ahead of time and i'll find out prob well i'm one of my uh, cousins is in charge of the one around here, uh, or is one of the guys in charge around here. And so I get the, get the inside scoop normally a week or two ahead of time, about two, three weeks ahead. 
when they're thinking to do it. But uh, a lot of people find out the week before. That's not a lot of time to be planning. Nope. And you and, and, the, the, and y'all killed two hundred. Y'all killed two hundred coyotes on one of these drives, right? Uh, I know we had a hundred and eight. I'm trying to remember. I should have okay. gone back and looked. Let's just say let's, let's just say 108. So y'all killed 108. I bet you could go back a month later and do a drive in the same place and kill almost the same amount of coyotes. Oh, absolutely. It's crazy because there's so many of them. And I those videos get a lot of hate. People talking about how we're decimating the population and oh, those you know, we're damaging the environment and stuff. And it if it was doing that, we would not be able to do this every year. It doesn't make sense. And we go back and we can plan on you know, we're going to shoot 70 this year and, you know, the next year we might shoot 80 or 90. It, we're not even scratching the surface on what they are. Clay's There's farmers killed. out there. They were having the uh, coyotes so thick. They're coming up on the porch. Uh, the one lady offered to pay for all the ammo for the entire hunt. If we came up there and made sure we killed them all. Clay has killed over 200 coyotes in about a three mile area. And, and he goes out every night and he still has them every day. And it'll be that way the whole time. Uh, I saw he's only rotating between like two properties, I think. Yeah, like he's then he's got one place that's just really hot. It's a feedlot. It's yep. a feedlot. Here's an interesting fact. This is not a coyote thing. This is a varmint thing. The state of Oklahoma banded 15 and put trackers on 15 hens. Did you see this turkey hens? Yep. Not one of them has a baby this year. No poults. Not one of them. 15 hens with no poults. Not one small turkey. We may not have a turkey season in but the spring next year in some places. There's a lot of things that I would like to see with that. Like, were they... Is too, that a normal year? No. Were they too old? I mean, were they... That's what I mean. Is this is this common to have 15 I mean, were, different hens with no poults? Right. And, I mean, were they <laughs> peak Were they peak uh, breeding age? And, you know, now we're so dry and it's hot. And I understand. One thing that I understand... Well, who did we have talking to us? They said if the conditions were not right, the turkeys wouldn't even breed because it's just it's somebody resources. at the hunting show was telling us that I think no it was somebody that we had on but they said if the breeding conditions are not right that the toms won't even waste the energy breeding a hen so maybe it's something <laughs> like that I don't know but yeah I did read that fifty they tracked fifteen hens and not a one of them reproduced this year. It's crazy. I've seen a lot of hens walking around without stuff this year, so that doesn't shock me too much. It's I, No one went after predators this year in our area. I mean, the guys that trap, there's a few guys that went out and hit it, but not no one hit it hard like they normally did because fur market's trash, and I, I think the raccoons are in our area made a mess out of most of the stuff. But We need to find something to do with the coons. That's the no key. kidding. There's got, we need to find something that raccoon fur is, is a viable product that they want i have no idea what it is but we're gonna have to come up with a reason to make people want to get them or we're gonna have to tell all the coon asses in louisiana that they taste really good and they're illegal and then every one of them some bitches will get killed everywhere <laughs> but we, raccoon's not bad to eat um well i should say nine times out of ten it's not bad to eat that one time really sucks but uh the rest of it's not too bad it's a lot like pork what it's a lot like pork so I've heard it's like bear also. So is bear also kind of like similar to pork? Haven't had bear before. Um, mm -hmm. The one time that I, I made it, well, I've made it twice. The first time I was kind of skeptical about it, and it blew my mind how good it was. So I was really excited for the next time I did it, and boy, did it taste like it smelled. It was. Eesh. Well, that's, that's not pork. nine out of ten. That's one out of two. So now we're at 50-50. Well, 
Yeah, I'm, okay. I tried to keep optimistic about it because I know I'm going to have to do it again sometime because YouTube's a jerk like that. So, so what what made you decide to eat a raccoon? YouTube. Uh, I'm dumb enough to try anything twice. Well, I understand so, that. I mean, How'd you cook it? I'll tell you one thing: skunk is even worse. Coyote. Oh God, I'm hiding. I've done some stuff that uh, I'll have to do again sometime. See if I did it wrong the first time, but I'm not really excited about it. So. You- the coyote. How did you, how how do you cook all? How do you prepare all these things? You've Let's start with skunk, a coon. A coon and coon? coyote. How do you prepare it? Coon, I threw in a cock, uh, crock pot. Okay. And sort of made like a, a pulled raccoon out of it. Um, that was pretty good. I like that. Tried the second time. That wasn't worth doing. Coyote. Uh, let's see. How did I do? I fried it because I was like, it's got to be able to cover it up. And honestly, the first couple bites when it just came out and was hot wasn't bad because there was a decent amount of breading and stuff and it it really wasn't bad uh later on when i tried one of my leftovers it, no <laughs> leftover coyote oh it don't sound good no, it was was it, it tough was, i would think it would be pretty tough and chewy i pulled a back strap it really wasn't that tough um okay. but i did slice it real thin okay. real small so I, I it wasn't a very fair shot at a you know what the actual texture was and i was not excited about it i've seen what a coyote eats yeah i I was doing it because I said I would. Um, skunk, make sure it doesn't spray. It tastes like it sprays. Uh, <laughs> that, that was not a pleasant experience. I got I to gotta do something different there. That wasn't fun at all. So you're going to try um, skunk again? I'll do it again. No. But uh, something's got to change in the way I dispatch it to make sure it doesn't spray. My dad told me that his grandmother cooked coon. And he said she baked it. But... She had it trapped and would and, and would keep it feed in it. a trap and feed it for about seven days and clean itself out and just feed right. it corn or something and let it clean yep. all its system out. And he she baked it and he says it wasn't bad. He said it was a lot like it was kind of greasy. I guess like pork it's like a greasy version of a pork is what it was, he said. Mm-hmm. And bear I've heard is real greasy also. Now I have been told by multiple people that mountain lion is a delicacy and that the Indians, Native Americans, whatever you want to call people, they ate they ate mountain lion and they loved it. Bobcat's delicious. It is awesome. I'll eat bobcat all the time. That's not a problem at all. Bobcat. Well, and mountain lion and bobcat, same type deal. Well, that surprises me because they stink when they piss everywhere, the, the males. So how did you cook the mountain lion? Or the bobcat, I mean. Uh, <laughs> well... I made stir fry out of it, and uh, some people thought that was a bit racist to be putting a cat into stir fry, but that was <laughs> that wasn't my fault. It was delicious, and I knew it was going to be good. But uh, yeah, I got some interesting messages out of that deal. Some people thought it was funny. Some people thought I was a jerk. But I didn't even it was gonna be tasty. Cor- I didn't even I- correlate that together there, so I missed that one. <laughs> so how was the? Uh, so you stir fried it. So. There's a, it's kind of like Cajun food. If you put enough, you know, coon ass oh, seasoning yeah. and shit on it, everything's going to taste good. So, you soak enough uh, stuff in soy sauce, you're going to cover a lot up. I saw Stell Cracker on his video yesterday was cooking alligator gar. Did you see that one? And he cut the back I end. Seen he, it, but... he took a hatchet and kind or a, I guess a, a, a machete and a mallet and cut that that backbone off of it and took that old big old alligator gar you know, dinosaur plates off of it. And then he cooked it. He, 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 he kind of boiled it for a while and then he made uh, garballs out of it and they look pretty good, but I was interesting to watch him clean the thing. But 
we as Americans are we are very very uh, spoiled when it comes to our protein. Yes. You oh know, yeah. We don't want to eat a steak unless it's a prime steak, and we don't want to eat, you know, anything that's not USDA certified. But a bobcat, I've never. What you know? Have you ate a possum? No, that's one thing that I cannot bring myself to do. You ate it, a skunk. I know, but skunks. I mean, they eat the same shit a possum know. does. Now, possums. Nothing eats a possum even. Like you leave a possum out, not even the coyotes are going to touch it. Skunks, coyotes, coyotes will bug skunks all the time. But I don't, maybe someday I'll get conned into it. But I'm not excited about that one. That's that's the one thing that I am the least excited about overall. I'm going to predict something on this podcast right now while we're talking about skunks. I'm predicting within the next two months, Andy's going to come moping in here one day that a skunk has sprayed his wife's studio. <laughs> didn't, you say, didn't you say you had a skunk under there the other day you saw on your camera? Oh. And just You forgot about it, huh? Yeah. <laughs> if they, um, they get under something, they're going to spray eventually. It says you got to oh, be yeah. careful about the the blood of a skunk because they can carry rabies, so I guess you got to cook it all the way through. Yeah. It, on on anything that's a like that, I make sure I cook it dead, which I'm sure doesn't help the flavor at all, but... I really don't want to catch something like raccoons. They, they that stuff's got to carry parasites in there somewhere. I'm I'm typically not real worried about it, but on on those more predator type things, I I cook them dead. I'm yeah. awful nervous now because you gave us beef sticks at this fucking hunting show. That <laughs> yeah, I really really like. Really? What the hell was were we eating? Because they were it was very good. Both batches that, were good. That was a a venison snack stick that i make is a jalapeno cheddar snack stick so okay those, they were, those are safe th those were very good but i was thinking after you talked about that that fucker fed us skunk candy yeah. <laughs> and you would have never known it was, it was good so, so you do you do brats too now you have all kinds of brats specialty brats y'all do at your place oh yeah we're a, a usda uh certified shop or inspected shop i should say and we do you know, pork beef chicken turkey deer whatever people bring us we we pump it out so but brats is my my thing. I like to eat. It's one of my favorite things to do. And mm -hmm. so I like I like making stuff. And ever since COVID, it's been a little bit harder because my palate is messed up so bad that it's not fun anymore. Amen. But uh, we 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 have a lot of fun here. A lot, make a lot of interesting flavors. You you know your meat sticks were real good, and I had the flavor, and I had the COVID shit. Coffee does not taste. The the dirty duck Missouri boat ride coffee tastes normal to me. Other coffees does not coffee does not taste right. Sodas I, do not I, taste good, which I don't drink them anyways. But beef does not taste as good to me as it used to be, and I've nope. got to put salt on it, a lot of salt to make to get any taste out of it. So you have that same problems? That, yeah. Coffee was a train wreck. I finally, for a little while, was able to drink it a little bit, and then it's sort of, I don't know if I've had COVID three times, not tested COVID, but I've, I've had it three times, and each time I had it, it just messed everything all up again, so... There's a lot of stuff that just isn't right. Just when I think I'm getting over the hump and stuff starting to be normal again, it seems like something happens and everything tastes like garbage. Now, what was the flavored brat you told me that you had? Because you, you had some different flavored brats. Uh, I mean, we make, you know, your normal classic bratwurst, you know, your traditional style flavors, beer brats, stuff like that. I got tired of making normal flavored ones, so I make uh, one I call a buffalo and blue, which is like a Frank's red hot and blue cheese. Sort of, I try to put a hot wing in a brat. Um, I made a loaded baked potato, which has potato, cheese, bacon, chive. That one, I didn't think it would go over real well, but as 
blown <laughs> my expectations out of the water. Uh, bacon mac and cheese brought. It's got bacon mac and cheese in it. Uh, street corn. That one's got corn and serranos, chipotle peppers, cheese. I don't know. Pretty much I just, whatever sounds like something I'd like to eat, thought about trying to figure out how to put that flavor into a brat and crank it out there. So what some have the, been real good. Some have not been. <laughs> the black and blue. Is that pretty good one? Uh, my brother hates hot wings. He That's his favorite brat. Uh, people either love it or hate it, though. So it, it depends depends on the person. That one's a, either a hit or a miss. What did them sound to you? Mac and cheese caught my ear. Bacon mac and cheese. Really? What do you, you just boil your noodles and shove them in the case? Got my, I'd take my meat block, you know, my normal, however, you know, 50 pounds of pork and all that stuff. Uh, mix in my little bit of salt, pepper, and bacon. And then, uh, let's see, I'm trying to remember if I put cheddar in that or not. I put Monterey Jack in that, I think. So, I forget exactly which one. Grind it out and then put whole, whole macaroni noodles in it and put it into a casing and there you go. Your meal is pretty good. Oh yeah, it. The kids love it. Absolutely oh, yeah. love it. It's it's basically a lot like a cheddar brat with bacon in it, though, because you really don't notice the noodles unless you're thinking about it. Right. Um, you can see them in there and everything, but I mean, if I was trying to add filler, it would be an acceptable filler. But we don't do that mess. So, have you have you seen the video of the guy that's making uh baked beans and he puts in a can of apple pie filling? Huh. Haven't seen that. And it looks really, really good. And they say it is, but he just, he buys like Bush's baked beans. Baked beans and with he, apple pie and, and, and puts them on the stovetop or a big, you know, makes a big bunch of it and then adds a big old can of apple pie filling with it and cooks it in. He says they're excellent. He said everybody loves them. He said everybody thinks the same thing until they try them. And he said then everybody that tries them, they make them the next time they have a church get together or whatever they have is a potluck. He says it's excellent. Where do you get your ideas for these things at? Do you like TikTok or what? Uh, there's a couple different areas. Uh, there's a American Meat Processors Convention that I'll go to. That was actually just this last weekend. Well, it's Fest, so I missed that one. Um, but they'll have a lot of new products there, big uh, seasoning vendors, and I poach some ideas off of that. There's a couple Instagram accounts that I follow, either here or overseas, that put out some cool stuff. And sometimes I just have an idea that something that sounds like it might work and you never know. Right. Huh. Cause like, I mean, you know, with TikTok and YouTube and everything, like it's pretty easy to get good ideas or Pinterest. Pinterest is another good one. You're like, motherfucker. Now I got to try this. Like we had the, uh, we did, and it sounds kind of odd, but it's Bushlight and Mountain Dew. And it was good. Huh. It was very, very good. It was very refreshing. Regular Mountain Dew would have tasted better. I yeah, think. Uh, my my friend that was there, he drinks like eighteen diet Mountain Dews a day, and that's Ooh. all he had. So I think if so, it had that artificial flavor kind of taste to it, and I'm not a big fan of that. But if it would it would have just been regular Mountain Dew, I think it would have been a lot better. But it was good, and we saw it on TikTok, and everybody that does it, it's kind of like I don't know. And then they take a <laughs> sip, and they're like, winner, winner. We had a beer this weekend that I really liked too. It was a mango wheat beer. Ooh, was it Boulevard? It, I don't know. It was good though. Mags brung them I to us. To find but it was or, a, no. There's Blue Moon. Blue Moon makes a mango wheat that is really good. It was not Blue Moon. I know that. But it was damn good. And I'm not a I'm not a mango fan. 
but it was a really good beer. I'm not a big beer drinker, but it was it was very it was refreshing. It was a summertime beer. It was for Golden sure. Road. Golden Road. Golden Road. I've never heard of it. Wish before. I would have found that. That sounds tasty. It was yeah. it was really good, but I guess it come from Illinois or Indi- it's come from Indiana or Michigan, wherever Mags lives at. I'll have to ask him. We got a podcast with him later this week, but he bought it and they they only got four cases and he bought all four cases of it. I do see Blue oh, wow. Moon has it though. Huh. They have the mango wheat also. Mango. Wheat. Andy's a big Blue Moon guy. Yeah, I like that mango wheat. I'm a sour <laughs> beer drinker, and I really like cherry sour, and I can't ever find them anywhere. This time of year there they're supposed a- to be out, but I cannot find them. There was a nice elderberry uh, sour at the the social. That was pretty tasty. Really? How was that? Yeah. We didn't get. We didn't. Uh, we didn't party <laughs> it up. How was the social? Woo! I cannot run with that young twenty crowd like I used to. That they get a little wild for me. It was fun to watch, but boy, um, it it was a fun time. I last year I met a bouncer there that blamed me for jinxing him uh on that not being any fights last year and i told him that there would be so i met him again this year and talked with him and within 20 minutes of being there uh he had given me a fake id from someone that he had confiscated and uh got to watch the young crowd hit on everything with a pulse that was interesting uh yeah it i'm not sure how much of that should be on here but we don't care i we we don't (laughs) You know what's funny for Squad Fest? We don't even we don't even we weren't even involved in any of that. Friday night we had beer and hotel pizza at our hotel lounge and was very happy. And Saturday night, I guess Mikey got drunk and threw up nine times and lost his wallet. So <laughs> he said that he was having margaritas with you guys, but when he showed up, at least I think that's what he said. Um, but uh, when he showed up over there, I'm trying to remember if it was before or after the swingers came through. But uh, I heard about that. I heard about the swingers. Somebody was, was it one of Mikey's guys that was in on this with the swingers? I, I cannot yes. remember who they were associated with, but it was funny to watch that kid come back to the table, take off his hat, and yell, "I just kissed my mom on the mouth." <laughs> Story is uh, what? So what? He the, a kid was making out with the lady at, while the husband was grinding on her. Grinding on her. Yeah. Oh, uh, and. When that happened and everyone reacted, because everyone was watching, mm-hmm. um, she looked very into it, but very embarrassed. And uh, it looked like the husband was kind of pissed. So they didn't last more than about five, ten minutes after that. But See, last year we was... went to the social the very first night we got there. And we kind of thought it was a gay bar. I asked again. Really? I asked the very, guy in it's the parking metro, lot. It's metro. So, but now there's all, evidently there's swingers that go to it, so... <laughs> Y'all need to find a new place to go. Yeah, I don't know. I asked the Apparently guy walking we out. Scared some people last year though, because they saw these country boys in there, and uh, this black lady walked up to the bouncer I was talking to last year and told him that by the looks of this crowd, most of the people in there would like to see her swing from a tree. Wow, that was the most racist thing that I had heard in a long time. Wow, but you, you think whatever. you think about this though? When there's a bunch of waterfowl hunters there, you don't know if you've got a biker gang coming in or if you got waterfowl hunters. <laughs> Because everybody looks the same. Nope. But I um pretty much. I did not we went last year and we stayed for about two hours with the Pacific Boys, and then we went, we left. But when we left, I asked a guy in the parking lot, I go, is this a gay bar? Because it seemed kind of put off a weird vibe. And he his exact words were, Well, it can be. It could be. I said, Well, okay. <laughs> in the first I guess Mikey and them found some guy that had his pants down and his ankles in the parking lot and his door was open the first night. Oh, 
that guy that they suspect uh, heroin might have been involved? Wow. <laughs> I don't know. We saw a whole different part of St. Louis than y'all did. No, we didn't. We saw a fucking guy sleeping in a trash can. <laughs> yeah, we did. I forgot about that. They think they don't know if he was dumpster diving and got knocked out when it fell over on him or if it was just the meth and that's happened to be where he fell. But Mikey mm. went down there and investigated. He's like, he came back. He's like, his arm is bent back in a weird angle. So um, I guess there's like security where we were that kind of works the block and um, got the kid a glass of water and kind of took him somewhere. I don't know where he Really went. nice guy. Might have, fu- might have fucking been a weirdo that just took him to his apartment and tied him up. Played Tw- his skin. I don't know. 20, <laughs> 22 years old, he told me. Yep. I said, man, just bad wow. choice. Jabbing that fucking needle in your arm and ruined your life. The guy had a, be- had a badge, so I assuming, you know, he was something official. We, we went down by the arch and we ate. It was across from the Horseshoe Casino and it was a, I never, it didn't feel unsafe at all. I mean, actually, it was 95% of the people down there were women. But it was a really clean part of St. Louis where we were. And I'm sure you get to run some places down by that river and it's not so clean. Yeah. But I I think about any big town will have that though. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Where we at was really nice and we had we had a really good time. Um I want to ask you about your I did brats, it was good. So you're in the meat business. That's what yeah. you do. Tell tell us about your so you you and your dad have a processing plant? Do you ever Correct. make? Do you ever make bologna? That's what I want to ask you. Do you ever have you ever made bologna? Yeah, that's a new product for this uh, us this year. Actually, I got. I wanted to try and dabble a little bit in the lunch meat side of things. Um, I guess a little bit of background on the shop is uh, we've raised poultry is how we started out. So we raised chickens for like the last twenty some odd years, and Dad put up a, a chicken processing plant about twelve years ago, something like that. Uh, I went to go work at a, at a different facility. Um, learned how to cut pork and beef and deer and all that stuff. And then about five years ago, I think, I can't remember. Time goes past so fast that I'm not sure what year it is anymore. Um, four or five years ago, he, we went and added on the uh, red meat side of the plant, and I joined him here. And so we have this little small place here in central Kansas, and we don't do a whole lot, but we do the best job we can. We'll do beef and pork on monday and tuesday you know we'll only cut maybe three beef and half dozen hogs then on wednesday we'll process four to eight hundred chickens and then sort of finish everything up the last couple days but bologna is a new thing for us and it's been a big hit because people can see that it's actually meat and uh it it just has a better texture has pretty much the same flavor um it's but it's real which is nice now, what all goes into your bologna? Is it like the lips and assholes like you've heard? Or what, what, what cut of meat goes into the grinder to get smashed into bologna? For me, I just yeah. use pork trim. So it's, you know, it might, whatever I didn't use, normally I save my bacons and my pork chops uh, off the hogs. So it's, you know, the shoulders, the hams, um, whatever, whatever meat came off the bone that uh, wasn't put into a cut, so all good meat there. And I use fifty-fifty beef and fifty. Oh, sorry, fifty percent beef, fifty percent pork is my meat block on that. And so it's pretty much the same thing as hamburger or you know what you're using to make brats and stuff. There's I don't put any of that funny stuff in there. I'm I'm eating it myself. I don't need anything weird. You know, putting noses and ears and pig feet and all that other stuff. He in eats it. skunk. Nope. It's not like he doesn't want. The, he doesn't want that shit in his bologna. I, I hey. love bologna. I do. I, and I tell you what, I just ordered some pickled bologna the other day, and I, huh. I love that stuff. Have you ever had the pickled? 
I'd never had pickle bologna. Like, I've never even heard of it. Is that stuff with like pickles in it or no? Like a, it's like pickle, pickle. like pickled. cured, and it's a it comes in rings huh. like you would a hot dog, and you eat it. There, it's good. I like it. It's very good. And I'll tell you something else. I love that we have here. We eat smoked bologna here a lot. Take a roll of bologna oh, yeah. and smoke it on the Traeger. And I'm telling you right now, whoo! Put that in a little pan, with a little barbecue sauce. Mm. Mine, uh, I treat mine the same way I do my snack sticks and summer sausage. Everything runs through the smokehouse. Right. It, it. I think it's better that way. Hey, when we were uh, driving up there, and somebody told us about pork ribeyes. How is that different than pork like ribeyes. a pork chop? It's marketing. So it's not. <laughs> it's at not all? different. It's the, it's, it's the certain end that would be the ribeye. It's your some people call them a two tone chop, or it's the uh, it's the center cut end. But it's the same cut that would be a ribeye on a beef, but a, on pork we don't differentiate. But I can't say that word. We can't tell the difference between the two. Basically, they just sort of run them all through the same. But it's uh, just the certain end of the the pork loin for your pork ribeye. So a center cut pork chop is the same thing as a ribeye. Kind, yeah, more or less. It would be the same half of the loin if it was a beef. That would be the rib ribeye. So your your center cut chops um, would be the ribeye side. Your loin chops would be your T-bone Casey strip side. We d- we do a pork chop here that's jalapeno marinated. Yeah, that is very Ooh. very good, very good. We order them from Cisco, and it's jalapeno marinated. And some people think they're too hot. Like the boys can't eat them, can they? They're a little spicy for them. Yeah, they're too 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 spicy for a kid. But they're very good. God, I like them. Yeah, and they're I got very a jalapeno popular. bacon. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, bacon's getting fucking expensive as hell. Yep. And what? How long does it take you to do to butcher a cow? Have you ever timed uh, yourself? I've got, I haven't in a while. I need to again. Um, Right now, I got two guys that help me out. Uh, shoot, the one guy, he's, only, he's been working here for less than six months. The other guy, I've had him for almost two years. It, it's one of those things that takes a lot of muscle memory to cut meat effectively. Uh-huh. Um, people slow you down for a long time before they help speed you up. But the three of us, uh, we, we can knock one out in, in a couple hours, uh, depending on how fat it is. I watched a YouTube video. It's a real big fat one. It takes a while, though. I watched a YouTube video. I can't remember when it was, but it was a guy butchering a cow. And the way mm-hmm. they did the video, it was it kept my attention. But it was so interesting, like the different... The, like he would hold his knife different ways, getting like different stuff. And I don't know. I guess there, there's one... There, it's called, I guess it's called the butcher's cut. There's only one of them on each cow. <laughs> the hanging tender? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, gotta love when people ask for the old butcher's cut. <laughs> Why? So that's a real thing. It's yes and no. The only reason I know about it is because I had to Google what it was. There might be a butcher out there that loves that thing more than anything else, but uh, the stories behind it, I'm pretty sure, more urban legend than anything else. Oh, okay. But it's it's one of those things where people always, you know, I need that secret butcher's cut, and I'm like, well, which one are you talking about? Because there's about five different things that people will tell you what it is. So. They're they're annoying to keep, but it is what it is. Yeah, my butcher's cut would be a, a ribeye. Absolutely. That There's would something be, I want to keep. Yeah. I haven't had a good ribeye myself in a long time. You're you're not just like, hey, that looks good. Let's just keep one off to the side. Well, I'd like to. Um 
but it'd be kind of like a well, kind of like hunting, I guess. You know, if you're guiding people, you really don't get to go out all that much. And when you do, you know, it's something special. But you know, the the what is it the the guy that makes no the guy that makes shoes? What's his name? The cobbler. Cobbler's kids don't have shoes. Yeah. Um. Well, the butcher tends to eat what's left over. So, yeah. Have you ever gotten a cow that came in there and you realized like it was unfit to to butcher, like it had something wrong with it? Not at this shop not at my plant here but i have uh at other plants yeah there's actually a plant that's oh it's 45 minutes to an hour away but they uh have a vet on site because they get enough animals that they'll have to condemn a quarter often enough that they got to have a full-time vet there like what would be wrong with it what would be something that that you would be like no 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 we can't cut into this um there's a lot of different things uh if something has an infection in a quarter, uh, might be broken sometime. There might be, uh, what is it called? Was it, was it TB that they had to chuck the whole thing not too long ago at a plant? I think they had tuberculosis, tuberculosis in a couple of beef, if I remember right. And uh, they chucked that whole thing. Um, yeah, I've had a pig come through that had cancer that I chucked. Uh Sometimes you'll find ones that have abscesses all the way through them. If I find more than two abscesses in an animal, I'm calling the guy and asking him if he wants it for not real or if I need to, you know, get the vet to look at it. Because if I don't eat it, I don't want to cut it up. Right. Bovine tuberculosis. It's a real thing. I never even, I never even knew cows could get tuberculosis. I've heard them cough, but I didn't know yeah. it would be like what we have. What, what do y'all do with the offal? Uh, we take it to our county dump. The what? The awful yeah. kidneys, all that oh, shit. Oh, oh, oh! Do you oh, guts, oh. all that stuff? Do you Hide. do beef liver? Do you do that at all? If people want it, yeah. You should sell that to Liver King. Have you seen that guy on Instagram? I I have. I got a picture with a liver that he might make a mess out of if uh he he saw it. It was it was an impressive one, but. I don't know how that guy does that. I worked with a guy that would take a bite out of raw liver, and that I'm nah, that's okay. I don't like liver enough that well. I don't want to eat cooked liver. I think it's the nastiest shit in the whole world. And that's something. It's funny when I was a kid, that was a regular meal that people made was liver and onions. You heard about it all the time. You don't. Oh ever my hear, dad, go to a restaurant and order it. Yeah, and you don't hear about that no more at all. Nope. Or at a restaurant. If I have real low uh, blood iron, I'll I'll eat one to set that up. Like if you get those random nosebleeds, eat a liver. Liver meal that'll that'll cure you up quick, real high in iron. But see, I like li uh, chicken gizzards and livers. Don't bother me, but I can't either. I don't like the livers. The gizzards are good. The gizzards are my favorite. I love chicken gizzards. What chicken you, Express has them. But what do you want to cook the most? I mean, not cook. Uh, you said you do you do cows, pork, chickens. Are chickens just nasty to do? No, I mean I, you know I've been butchering chickens since I was eight. So it's one of those things where I just sort of grew up with it. And there's not a whole lot about that that phases me. It's just the way things are. Um, I like cutting up pork probably the best because it's easiest for me to handle. Mm -hmm. And I'm tired of chicken snoring by the time it's done. But, yeah. Now, are you, uh, are y'all dispatching the animals there? Yes, sir. With, uh, what do you, the piston method or how do you, how do you do it? So on poultry... Um, you just use, we put them in what we call a killing cone. Uh -huh. Um, it's just a 
basically a funnel that we put the bird in head first. It keeps their wings to the side so they don't flop around. Less, uh, less trauma to the bird that way. And you make a cut on each side of the neck, hit both those main arteries, bleeds out real, real quick. Um, that, you know, is the way, way industry standard is there. Um, on pork, I have an electric stunner, which the best way to describe it is kind of like a giant hot shot. Mm -hmm. um, and you do that, pumps enough voltage into it, knocks them out solid. And uh, you hoist them up and stick them. By the time they would come back to consciousness, they've already bled out and it's over. Um, on a beef, it's pretty much this. It's I use what they call a captive bolt gun or a beef stunner. It shoots a 25 caliber blank and pops a oh, it's probably a half inch rod into the brain and retracts. Then after that, and drops them like a rock. Have you ever had the the botched the botched ex execution? Uh, I'd be lying if I would say that I haven't. Yeah. I mean, and you know, it, like you said, it happens. It, it's one of those things where for inspection wise, you are not allowed to have a second shot. They can write you up and shut you down um, while you figure that mess out. Uh, so you're only allowed that one shot. So far, I've been really, really good. Um, haven't had a botched one in a long time. So hopefully Friday does, <laughs> does normal. Um, but it, it is what it is. You hate to see it. It's just like anything else. You don't yeah. want to put anything through it. It's a, uh, I don't want to say it's less fun for me than it is the animal. Cause that's just not the way I want to put it, <laughs> but it, that nothing, it nothing you gets you in the gut more than messing up that shot. Cause it's, it's not fun for anybody. So you can't take another shot. Why can't you take another shot? This doesn't, you can, silly. Um, but that one gets you your right up. So. But, but, but why? What's the thinking behind it? What would the USDA be like? No, you stuff. don't need cruelty to animals. It's running around with a fucking hole in its, in its body. Oh, there's, I, it's a horror story, but I know of a, a guy who was saying that their inspector, they had a new kid back there. doesn't matter how long you've been doing it. You still get your one shot, second shot, you can get written up or shut down. And he missed uh, his third time. Ooh. Inspector made him back the animal out, put it back out in the pens with you know three holes in its head, and shut him down. That animal stayed out there. The guy finally just went out back and shot it and did it that way because he couldn't stand to see it. But the inspector wasn't going to let him finish that animal uh, because he had botched it three times, Holy. which is just stupid to me. I do not understand why in the world it is, but that's a uh, that's government stuff for you. Yeah, I mean, I can't, I can't think that it would be more humane to leave a cow running around with a hole in its head rather than take a, a second shot. But I don't know if, if the reason that it was written is because maybe in their mind, if if we tell you you only get one shot, you'll you'll be more effective rather than being like, I just shoot how many times you want and people taking shitty shots. Maybe that's yeah. the reason. I'm just trying to think of a reason that it could be off the top of my head. But I mean, There's like you said, accident. Stuff happens, and, I mean, it could jerk or jump or whatever right at that split second. And, I mean, you might need a second shot. There, It seems silly to me, but there's not yep. much that the government there's, does that I don't think is silly. Isn't silly. You can get by sometimes with what they call a safety shot. Like, you'll have an animal that's knocked down, and it may you might have hit a brain part of the brain where it's, it's down and it's dead, but you think it might still kick. That's kind of your cop-out. You can call for a safety shot pop it again just to make sure and most times they'll let you buy with that but you depending on which inspector you have it can be it can be a nightmare so is there an inspector every time you do this uh during kill there has to be an inspector on site at all times 
Oh, I did not know that. Even for a small facility that does just one cow every once in a while? It is way harder to be a small plant than a big plant. Yeah, I'm telling you. Whenever whenever we have killed, there has to be an inspector there at all times. You have to go out and look at the animals before I bring them in. Make sure they're all standing. If an animal isn't standing, um, it, if it's non-ambulatory, they, they will not allow it to be presented for slaughter. Legally, the only way that animal can leave is through either in a box, like, you know, being processed or in a barrel once they've been dropped off. Like if you, you drop off an animal and he says, no, that thing, you can't butcher that farmer isn't allowed to come back and pick it up. But most inspectors are pretty cool and will work with you a little bit, but not all of them. He's not allowed to pick that animal back up if they deem it unfit for slaughter. Is that what you Once said? it enters my property, it is uh, my problem pretty much. Why the fuck do we make things so fucking difficult? Because their politicians no, have if no a idea. Farmer beats his. Sorry, go ahead. Politicians do this shit. They don't have a clue how nothing works. But they they're going to tell you how to, how to run your plant. It's not just beef, and it's everything. No, I, I understand. I mean, they think it's okay right now to go to Saudi Arabia to get more oil, but because of the oil in America is polluting the country, the world. It's the same freaking world. Right. I mean, it's, it, but it doesn't matter what you look at in any in industry. When the government gets involved, it's fucked up. Bottom line to the whole deal. I mean, I want to have safe food to eat. When I go to the grocery 100%. store and buy something, and I want, I want it to be safe. But we go to such extreme measures on shit. And I don't want the animal to suffer any more no. than anybody else does. And I think most people are that way with their food. People are wanting to buy market meat from someone like you more than they are wanting to go to a grocery store nowadays. That's, yep. the, that's the bottom line. The lobbyists are paid for by the big grocery store chains. They don't want guys like you to work because it costs them a dollar. Yep. That's what it's all. That's the bottom line to this whole deal. Let's, let's be honest with you. It ain't about them not liking you. It's that the big companies that you compete against don't like you. Right. Absolutely. It's, it's, a, it's a messed up situation a lot, but COVID helped us out probably the most when it came to that because once grocery stores started running out of meat, everyone uh, really quickly started to learn that there were local options, and we retained quite a bit of that stuff that way. So we, we actually booked the rest of our, our processing year in January. Uh, my wife booked the, the second half of the year in two and a half hours uh, in January, we we buy most. We have bought beef. We've bought for the last three years. All we've done is buy beef from someone like you. Buy whole a whole beef. Mm-hmm. We, we, and that's all we've done for three years. Now at the lodge, we order from Cisco a lot, and we do have a lot yep. of that meat. Steaks and stuff come from Cisco, but all the hamburger meat and stuff we used to have come from people that we've bought from local and bought a whole beef. And we will continue to buy to buy that. I'm gonna buy a whole beef again in August. But I don't, that's the way I'm going, and I know a lot of people are doing it. And I've said a town like Wichita Falls or Abilene that's got 150,000 people in the area there, someone could go in there and butcher a cow every day and sell out every day what they get off that one cow. There's enough people that would come in, steaks, hamburger meat, because you can get it fresh. I remember when I was a kid, you'd go to a meat market, and they would have hamburger meat sitting there. And that guy would scoop out if you wanted a pound or three pounds or four pounds. They didn't have it prepackaged sitting over there with the deal. You went up to the deal and you said, hey, I'm doing stew tonight. I want stew meat. I'm going to do, you know. And and if you're doing beans, you would get ham hocks and stuff. And you would do. But that's what he had. Those places went out of business when these mega grocery stores come in. They're on the way back now, I think. Now, you said earlier you live by Yoder, Kansas. Correct. I always heard Yoder had a bakery that was out of this world, Amish Bakery. Is it still open? 
It is not. Well, there's a, the bakery itself shut down. Um, but there is a restaurant there that is known pretty well for its cinnamon rolls and stuff like that. But the, the, the main bakery is gone now. I'd always heard it was really, really, really good. Those potlucks with all them Amish people there. I bet the food is outstanding. <laughs> we eat pretty good. Yeah. Hey, um, how have you noticed the beef ribs? I love beef ribs. That's my favorite thing to do. Really? I love them. Do you sell a lot of those or is that not anything that you even cut off of it? Cuz I don't it, know how I don't know how like it, if you take something like if you do fillet or if you do uh, beef tenderloin you don't get a certain cut. So I don't know if you were to do beef ribs if you would sacrifice something else. Uh, the only time that you sacrifice ribs, which you should be able to get some anyway, is if you're doing like a big tomahawk steak or something like that where you leave a big rib bone on. But other than that, ribs, you should be able to get them. Um, they go, they're real on and off for us. Uh, they'll hit real hard for about a month or two and everyone wants them. I'm trying to figure out what show they're watching or what's popular that, why are they selling? And right now I, I probably have sold two or three packs in the last month. Like it's a real dry spell. I don't even keep them off the last couple of beef that I've done because no one asked for them. So it, it tends to go in spurts here. It's kind of hard to guess what people want to do. I love them. Anytime I, and there's one store in Wichita Falls that sells them and I'll buy, I'll buy one or two and just keep them on hand for when I do it. But I make a shitty brisket, but I can do beef ribs and they are fantastic. Fall off the bone, tender, juicy. I love them. I love the flavor of them. They're fantastic. <laughs> but do you notice that the, when you, when you get a brisket off of the, off of these cows, are they not as big as some of the others that you see in the store? Because, like, when I see them at Walmart or something, they're, you know, humongous. Yeah. Most of the beef we run through are quite a bit smaller than the big packers get. Uh, you know, while the packers are putting up carcasses that weigh, you know, 1,000 pounds on the rail, uh, most of ours run in the seven, 800 pound. And so they're normally I trim mine down pretty good. Um, but we do a lot of custom work. So it, it's a wide variety of size of animals that we get. But typically, very rarely will I get one the size that you would see, you know, in a Walmart or Sam's or Dylan's or whatever your local place is. How long did it take you to become, how long did it, was there a school that you go to like a butcher's school or is it just get hired on and learn from the old man? I, I got on the job training. That's, that's what happened. I actually started at uh, the butcher shop in Yoder and worked the retail side for eight months and they kicked me over to the kill floor and I worked there for about five years and learned how to cut meat that way and then jumped to another butcher shop in town for another five years and did a lot of retail work there, learned how to how to do that whole side and then ended up over here with my own gig. So it was it was all on on the job training and there's a lot of stuff that I don't know how to do real well, but we got the internet and kind of know how to hold a knife right. You can figure it out. Yeah, that's all you need. Just the internet. How many, you said Friday, you got another kill date on Friday? Yeah, I kill every Friday. Okay, how we many How, how many animals day. will you run through on uh, on Friday? Uh, Friday, we only have four beef and five hogs, I think. So nine animals. Yeah. And what, so what, what, what's your day look like on Friday? You start at normal time, eight or nine? Yeah. I'll start, I'll get here, ready to roll, 7.30, um, start 
knocking animals. We should be done and cleaned up with kill by one. And then I'll jump inside. Most of our product goes to the local farmer's market. We've been going to the farmer's market here for 22 years, I think. And we have a good, uh, good following in the, in the big store or the big, uh, town next door over in Wichita. And that's where we mo take most of our products. So my, uh, afternoons on Friday are mostly getting ice chests and stuff prepared for that so we can haul everything over there. So will you kill and clean and butcher on Friday or you'll kill on Friday and put them in a, like a cold storage facility and, and get to them then? How's that yeah, work? Yeah, so um, we'll, we'll kill them, you know, skin, gut, clean, wash, all that good stuff, and I'll put them in what I call my, chi uh, my chill box. It's a second part of my cooler because we have a rail system that they go on these rollers and we roll them into there and uh it'll cool the animal down to 35 degrees i think in 24 hours pretty easily i think it's i think we have it rated to take 10,000 pounds of carcass down to to temp in 24 hours push it in there we age all of our stuff 17 days before we cut it except for pork we just do that over the weekend and uh yeah so the stuff comes in and it won't get cut for for a couple of weeks unless someone specifically asks otherwise um so you'll cut you'll butcher over the weekend so like what days do you take off or okay let me i'll just start at the beginning so monday and tuesday i'll cut beef and pork um that's my my fabrication day pretty much where i'm breaking it all down into cuts and stuff like that wednesday we'll do chickens thursday we'll grind make sausage our hamburger all that stuff get the, all that stuff packed off and then Friday, I'll kill, prepare for market. And then Saturday, we go to market. And Sunday's my my recovery day. Whew. I would need more than one recovery day. That's a hell of a week. <laughs> no, wonder you, no wonder you dipped out to Squad Fest this last week. <laughs> it, is, it was a good time to be able to blow off a little steam. You know, it, Normally, uh, a week here at the market, or at the market, here at the butcher shop, I do normally a 50, 50 to 60 hours a week here. Then put in another ten to fifteen on YouTube and try and balance family in there somewhere. Well, I'll tell you what, your 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 sticks that you gave us were damn, damn, damn good. good. I hope you bring some next year. Yeah, they were Oh, good. I will. They they were damn good. Um, we gotta get off here pretty quick, but before we do, I want you to tell everybody what your YouTube channel is. Okay. Uh I am Jordan's Harvest. Uh, it's nothing fancy, but I have a good time. Do a little bit of trapping, hunting, waterfowl. In the off-season, I do some pigeon hunts and maybe a little butchering here and there. I also do some stuff around the the hobby farm type stuff. It's it's nothing fancy, just me with a GoPro for the most part, but uh, I have a good time. And, and then he's your... not killing very many coyotes when he's on film. I watch that. <laughs> and what is your uh, butcher shop name in case somebody wants to hit you up uh, for a kill, kill date? Well, you said you're booked up for the year, but... Yeah. You can still give um, it out. Fuck it. Won't the, hurt the butcher shop is Phil's Farm. Um, we're just a little little hole-in-the-wall butcher shop, nothing fancy, but we're working on coming out with a website here, hopefully within the next year, and maybe start doing some online stuff. But uh, it's it's a growing growing thing, and we're pretty excited about it. But we're, we're real small, but we're working on it. Can you buy a whole beef or half beef from you for this year? You sold out on those too. Uh, I've got a pretty good waiting list. I think I actually had a couple people back out on some dates, so I might be able to sneak uh, sneak one or two extra beef in. But uh, they go pretty quick. We do a half Angus, half Wagyu cross, so it's a pretty pretty high marble, high quality beef. Um, what are those going for it, nowadays? 
Oh, shoot. Uh, good question. I let my wife do all that stuff because good answer. I, I can't sneak that into my brain. But I want to say that on the rail, I think it's going to cost you right around $4 a pound, if I remember right. And that includes all your cuts, your grind package. We do vacuum pack on everything. Um, normal poly bags on burger. but Look around $3,000 for a whole beef? Uh, normally right around there, yeah. When you get a whole beef for this fall, you let me know. All right, we'll do. I'm and I'm serious because I'm gonna have to buy whole beef anyways. I like your stuff, so if you get a whole beef done around October, let me know. I'd be interested in buying a whole beef from you. All right, I'll I'll check with the wife and see see what's available and get with you. All right, Perfect. you do that. Keep the beef ribs. And Andy, yeah, wants, we can do that. For Andy sure. wants the beef ribs for sure. Man, I yeah, appreciate yeah. it very much. I've enjoyed visiting with you at, at Squad Fest last couple of years. Uh, been a great podcast. I appreciate your hospitality with the beef sticks this weekend or venison sticks. Anyways, uh, I wish you the best, and let me know about them, that whole beef. Yep. Will do. Well, I, I appreciate you guys uh, allowing me to come on here, and it's been a great uh, great talk. I had a lot of fun. You've done a really good job. We really enjoyed this. Thank you, and God bless you, my friend. Thank you. Do Bye. the same. Thank you. Bye-bye. I pick good guys. I'm telling you, if I say, let's get somebody on a podcast, interesting guy. Good, good. You bring us cami cakes, and I've done a lot better. All right, thank y'all for listening cakes. to us. Uh, everyone have a great week. I don't even have a clue when this will, this will be out while we're on vacation, isn't it? What does it matter, Jeff? It doesn't matter. New sponsor, Hunt Proof. Check out the hunting app, Hunt Proof. And really don't have much else to say right now. Do you? Very good. Mm-mm. Thank y'all very much for listening to us. God bless you. Remember all of our sponsors. Take care of yourself. And here Andy's going to list them all off. Check out Lucky Duck, Shin Gear Waders, Looking Glass Duck Club Podcast, Alpha Outdoors Specialties, Gundog Outdoors, Pacific Calls, Dive Bomb Industries, Boss Shot Shells, Bangtail Whiskey, Stanfield Hunting Outfitters, Dirty Duck Coffee, Ducks Unlimited, Double T British Kennels, and Hunt Proof. <laughs>